I was in a hybrid role for many years and it worked for me. I'm a busy bee. I like to be moving and going in 10 different directions at once. It works for some, it doesn't work for others. Hybrid roles are not for everybody and that's okay. Welcome to the Easemakers podcast presented by Nines for people who are passionate about the art of private service. Every estate manager has a story and this is where you get to hear them. On this show, you'll learn from the best in the business, get tips and inspiration to fuel your career and connect with people who get it. Subscribe now and join the conversation at easemakers.com. I'm Mohammed Elzmar. And on the show today, Kristen Twyford and I are talking with Jenny Vaughn, the state staffing director at Domestic Match, a Bay Area domestic staffing agency that serves clients across the United States. We first talked with Jenny on a panel about hybrid roles at the estate management conference, and today we're continuing the conversation. Jenny shares her perspective on hybrid roles from why we see them to what candidates should know about the recruiters and the principal's point of view. Jenny understands both sides because she's been a private service professional and had her own hybrid role before moving into recruiting. I joined Domestic Match three years ago as a recruiter, um, but before that, spent 15 years in private service. So, um, you know, from a nanny to a family assistant to a house manager and personal assistant, um, had a really fun, uh, vibrant career in private service before pivoting over to the recruiting side. Um, and for the last eight months have been the estate staffing director at Domestic Match. And I love my job. I love what I do. That's awesome. What made you want to make the switch into recruiting? Great question. Um, you know, I have a family now. And so I think private service, um, although I, wonderful career, I, I loved it, was at a, a kind of interesting transition point. The family I had worked for for 10 years was moving out of the country And so I think I was in a place of, do I now look for another family to work for or try something different? Um, And recruiting, what I love about it is that we're still serving clients, um, but we serve clients and candidates now. And so it just was kind of a natural transition. I had also built a really strong partnership with Daniel Wood, who's the owner of Domestic Match, um, through working with him with the family that I worked for. And so it just seemed like a natural transition and it's been amazing. That's awesome. Well, we want to start with a lightning round to help people get to know you. So the first one is what's a story that you would love to tell from your time in the private service industry? Oh boy. Um, the juicy stuff. No, you know, look, I will say a story I love to tell in private service is when you make life happen for the people that you, you serve, the people that you work for. And I can remember really, really clearly, we uh, were, were preparing for a uh, bat mitzvah and had lots of family members flying in from all over the world for this big party. And uh, we had a big outdoor celebration scheduled, and it was just terrible weather. Um, and our full team, you know, morning, noon, and night, were up trying to, you know, tent this new area and kind of shift everything to a new area so we uh, could make it happen for the family. And we did. Um, and it didn't happen without a lot of blood, sweat, and definitely tears. Um, but, you know, that's the fun thing about private service is you get to make life happen for the people you work for. What's one thing that surprised you when you moved into staffing? Hmm, that's a great question, Mohammed. Uh, 
you know, I think I didn't realize the roller coaster of recruiting. Um, it is a roller coaster. There's, you know, we care very much about this work that we do. We care about the clients we work with. We care about the candidates that we work with. And so our emotions go into that. When you're serving one family, obviously you put your heart and you put everything into that. But when you're working on the recruiting side, you want to do the same. Um, and it's hard. It's, you know, at first I think it was a big roller coaster of emotions for me personally. And you have to learn to kind of separate from that a little bit. We still care very much about the work that we do, but you can't get so tied up in, you know, if you get down to the wire and somebody gets an offer and then they decide to back out, you can't get super emotional about that. You have to pivot and you have to figure it out. So I think just learning to kind of balance your emotions in this work of recruiting. What's on your daily soundtrack? My daily soundtrack. Um, I'm a runner. And so actually my daily soundtrack, it's a podcast. Um, I listen to the Oprah Super Soul podcast virtually every time I run. And it's all different types of people on there from Dwayne The Rock Johnson to Ellie Wiesel. Um, she really interviews such incredible people and uh, it powers me through my runs. What's your number one do and your number one don't for candidates? Number one do is... Um, be present, show up, be there on time, be eager. Um, you know, I can't stress enough how important that is. Like if you're showing up to an interview in person or on Zoom or on the phone, you know, the inflection you add in your voice, um, that matters. The smile on your face, that matters. Um, so really, you know, do show up at your best. Do put your best foot forward no matter what. Um don't don't talk about past employers in a negative way. Um, it happens, and you know, again, we talk about the emotions of private service. We've all had challenging situations in our private service career, but um, it's best to not talk about those and learn to separate kind of this new opportunity from some of the challenges that you've faced in the past. Great tips, Jenny. Well, we want to get into the heart of our conversation about hybrid roles. And we started this conversation at the Estate Management Conference. Um, you were on a panel with some really amazing private service professionals. I want to continue the conversation with you because I think you have a really interesting perspective from the other side of this story. We hear a lot about hybrid roles from candidates on LinkedIn. Uh, there's a lot of feelings about this and a lot of tension around this in the private service industry. And I think you have a really interesting perspective. So to start out, I just want to talk about the demand for hybrid roles. Why do you feel like we're seeing so many of these job descriptions right now? Great question. Um, before I jump into that, I, I would think I want to clear something up and maybe a little bit of a misconception on hybrid roles. Um, it's not just about saving money. So I think people jump to, oh, we're lumping these roles because the client wants to save money. And it really, I'd say truly is not about that. Um, we're seeing hybrid roles for a number of reasons. Um, perhaps this client or this family, they're new to private service and hiring staff for their homes. They're just starting, their needs are just starting to grow. And so maybe they're learning, you know, we have a housekeeper, family assistant, you know, somebody who's looking for that hybrid role. They have no other staff, they're brand new to it, and their needs just aren't huge yet. So in that case, it might really work to hire someone to do daily cleaning, but help out with some organizational projects or errands for the family. Um we also have clients that their lives are simple. They're not super complex, but they do need some day-to-day -day help. 
And so they're very private and they may just want, you know, one or two people in the home, not eight. Uh, so that would be another reason. Uh, we see clients who, you know, have multiple homes around the world. And let's say this this particular home, um, they're only at two or three months out of the year. So for them, it doesn't make sense to hire two full-time employees for that home. Um, the hybrid role, I'll say the hybrid title and kind of responsibilities are typically closely aligned in skill set. Um, so, and I can talk about some of the examples that we do see, but I think when oftentimes when clients come to us with hybrid roles, they're hybrid roles that are are really very similar and the candidate skill set required to to do that role are very similar. When speaking with the principals, how do you figure out if the hybrid role they have in mind makes sense or if they are trying to lump a whole bunch of stuff in there because they do want to save money? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um you know, look, we're here to represent our clients and make sure that their role is realistic, sustainable, and a great role. I also want to say on the flip side of that, we're here to represent our candidates, right? We want to make sure they're stepping into a role that has realistic expectations, is sustainable, and is overall a great role. So we support both sides. Um, what we look at from an agency perspective, again, are these titles and the responsibilities really closely aligned? that somebody who is a nanny might have the family assistant skill set as well and, and can really do both of those roles. Um, we also look at the allotment of time for each of those titles. So nanny family assistant, for example, if the kids are in school until 3 p.m. in the afternoon and the nanny family assistant needs to come in and start the day around 11, that should give that person a few hours to really focus on the assistant side of the work and then pivot to the nanny work when the kids are out of school. Um, so we really look at are the scale of responsibilities for each role within the hybrid role realistic? Um, what's the size of the home? What's the size of the, the family? You know, is it uh, two adults and four kids? One of the kids is home all day, three are at school. That could change things. Um, is the family in the home full-time year-round, or are they out of the home traveling most of the year? So we really look at kind of all angles, and we ask those hard questions to our clients up front. Um, so we work really hard to, to ask the tough questions and make sure that it is a, a reasonable role. And as you send candidates on trials or in interviews, if they get a different sense of that role and how reasonable it is, what happens next? Such a great question, Kristen. This just happened. Uh, we just sent a candidate on a trial for a hybrid role weeks ago, and uh, the candidate came back and, and you know graciously finished the trial, even though I think it was very challenging, and then gave us really, really honest feedback. We can't do this work without that feedback. So I want to stress that like it is. We are so grateful. Candidates should never. Uh, be scared to share really honest feedback from a trial. So we took that information. It was kind of the second time we had heard it from a, a, the candidate that trialed. We took that information back to our client um, and we ended up paring down the role. The role is no longer a hybrid role. It's just one role. We talked about them now opening up a second role, which they did. And that's a win-win, right? Because here we took this hybrid role we learned from the feedback from our candidate, and then we spoke to the client, had a really great conversation with them, and were able to split the role. 
Now it's possible we would have gone to the client and the client was not willing to split the role, in which case we would let them know we don't feel we can be successful with the search and we would step away from the search. Um, so, you know, I, I do want to say that as an agency, we don't just keep going knowing something is unrealistic and unsustainable. We really work hard to make sure that it is. Jenny, any other success stories that you can think of? I think that's such a good example of, you know, a candidate coming back to you with some really valuable feedback. Can you think of any other times where you really learned something from a candidate or you were able to place a candidate in a hybrid role that really did work or you placed one in a role that really didn't work and you were able to work with them again? Yeah, so um, similarly, we just placed a, uh, a candidate in a hybrid personal assistant house manager role, also a common hybrid role that we see because, you know, being able to uh, assist your principal kind of one-on-one, but also manage the daily operations. This particular client travels a ton, and so they're often out of the house. Um, when that happens, the candidate focuses on the household operations, but when the clients are there, it's very client-focused, so more of the PA work. Um, We did check in with the candidate and kind of, you know, heard that where some of the struggles were, and then we went back to the hiring team and had just really honest conversations, and then they went back to our candidate that we placed in the role to, to work with our candidate to understand how to prioritize. So, and I think that's shifted things. I think that's really helped. Sometimes when you get into these new roles, it's challenging to understand where to prioritize your time. Um, Do I prioritize it more on the household operations? Do I prioritize it more towards the client on the PA side? And so what I'll say again is communication is key. We don't run away after we place a candidate. We're very much involved with check-ins and making sure that everyone feels supported. And we feel like we played a role there, both with the candidate that we placed and the hiring team to help them kind of, you know, pivot in a new direction and prioritize their time better. If a candidate lands a role, and maybe it's not a hybrid role to begin with, but it turns into one over six months, a year, maybe longer, what should they do? What's your advice? That's one of the biggest challenges, Mohammed. is um, we can vet really thoroughly up front, right, and have a great understanding of what this role is, but then they get into the role and things shift. Um, it, it absolutely happens. I think it's natural for, for the lives of families or clients to evolve and to shift. Um, communication, again, it really boils down to communication. Communication is key. So if new responsibilities are put onto the candidate that you know we placed in the role, I think they have to you know ask questions to their supervisor or their, or their employer of where do I prioritize my time? I now have you know, six new duties on my on my plate, where would you like me to prioritize my time? And if things keep falling through the cracks, they've got to communicate. So, you know, what we don't want to see is that no communication is happening and the candidate's just getting frustrated and things are falling through the cracks. So I think it's just about constant communication. When we're putting candidates in a home as, you know, and they become that that person's employee, it really is up to them to communicate. We as an agency, I'll say, try not to over communicate once we've put somebody in a home, but we will be there for continued support and guidance. So we really put the responsibility on the candidate to be that that leader in communication. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so much frustration among 
candidates, when they see these job descriptions, you know, some of them aren't reasonable. And there are so many out there that do make sense, like you talked about earlier. And then there are also some that are just kind of absurd. You know, we've all seen the funny ones that have like a thousand different things on them. And so I can imagine it's interesting for you to watch on LinkedIn when these job descriptions blow up and people are really talking about them and how could they post this job description and you know there's a lot of valid concern so when you watch that happening what's your take what what do you wish that people knew about the other side of this process yeah i will say that i don't think you know a job description is a is a piece of paper with words on it and we're trying to describe what a position is but it's really not possible to put all of the context on that job description. So we had this recently on LinkedIn. We posted a little blurb about a job that we're working on and we used a phrase 24-7 mentality and it got some heat. Um, And so, you know, how I responded to that, and that's okay. I appreciate the transparency. We're not scared of that, but I think remember that we as an agency are also still learning and growing. And so that was a really great learning opportunity for us to say, We have more context. We know this role is actually not 24-7. We know that it's really more, you know, around when the client travels, you do need to be available if something goes haywire. And so hence the 24-7 mentality there. Um, But it it came to my attention that 24-7 on a job description screams red flags. And so it was a great, you know, I appreciate the candidate that, um, or the private service professional that called that out because I think it teaches us we need to be more mindful about the verbiage that we put in a job description. So just remember, we are here to support our candidates. We could not do this work without them. And so um, a job description doesn't have all of the context. If you have questions or concerns about a job description you see that we have posted, reach out to us. Let's talk about it. And we're open to hearing your feedback too. Mm-hmm. And I think there are so many people who think, oh, the, the agencies are only on the side of the the principals. They're, they're only on the side of the hiring team. How do you respond to criticism like that? Because I know that you have a different take and, you know, you guys are incentivized to have a successful match and not just a right a match in general. Yeah. I mean, look, we can't control um, how people feel. There are a lot of agencies out there and um, there are some really great, you know, agencies that provide that wraparound support and there are others that don't. And so, you know, I think there are always going to be those feelings. My advice is find your people, find the agencies that you do feel support you, communicate with you, respond to you, um, listen to you, and all of those things. And don't work with the ones that you feel haven't done that for you. So I think it's just about find your tribe, find the agency that that you feel best working with. So it seems that probably year over year, hybrid roles take up a bigger percentage of the jobs that are available. Do you think that's going to continue? And if so, do you recommend that professionals proactively position themselves for these hybrid positions? Oh, wow. That's a good one, Mohammed. I, you know, we as an agency don't get a lot of hybrid role requests. It's interesting. And, and maybe that's because we've turned away a lot. Um, to be to be honest, we've turned away many that just don't feel um, like we'd be setting our candidates up for success. So maybe that's why we get less. But of the ones that we, we do have, um, I will say that I think 
clients are a little bit more open to the candidate pool for hybrid roles and kind of a diverse background that they might be willing to look at. And so, yes, I think, you know, we should always be proactive in, in growing professionally in our, in our craft. And, you know, if you're a nanny and you're kind of looking for that next step up in your career, maybe start, you know, understanding how to manage a calendar, how to, um, organize and create packing lists for, for kids when they're going on trips. Um, yes. I mean, I think those are great professional development opportunities for you, which don't require a course online or, you know, a class, you know, in a school, you can do that on your own. And then look, you have this new skill set that you can put out there. Um, if you do want to apply for a hybrid role. So, I think that we can always be proactive and and widen our skill set, which opens up the possibilities. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's a really encouraging answer for people who don't want a hybrid role. Those traditional roles are not going away, right? They're not. That's correct. They they are here to stay. Um, We certainly have them and they are, you know, continuing to come in. So, you know, hybrid roles are not for everybody and we, that's okay. Um, you know, but, but I think some, I I know quite a few private service professionals who really like kind of this, you know, no two day is the same. I'm not just sitting at a desk, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. I'm sitting at a desk and then I'm running errands and then I'm picking up the kids from school and that works for, you know, for them. I was in a hybrid role for many years, uh, for a family and it worked for me. I'm a busy bee. I like to be moving and going in 10 different directions at once. I think I would have been bored in one role. Um, so, you know, it, it works for some. It doesn't work for others. That's totally okay. I guess my request is maybe don't don't hate on the hybrid roles, you know, necessarily. Try to learn from them. And, you know, again, we're here to just have a phone call and talk if you want to learn more and you have questions and concerns. So um, the door is always open and uh, let's have that call. Great. Jenny, anything else that you want to add? Anything that we haven't covered? I don't think so. Kristen and Mohammed, thank you for for having me on today and and for allowing us to talk again about this hot topic and important topic. Um, Candidates, again, I can't stress how much we care about you and uh, we appreciate your transparency if we ever put you in a position that doesn't feel uh, sustainable or realistic. So we are here to support you and make sure you have a great Uh, next long-term position. So thank you both very much. Jenny, one more question there too. I think that's a really interesting point that you just brought up about long-term positions. Why are agencies actually incentivized to place these long-term roles? I think there's sort of a misconception that people think, oh, you know, the agency doesn't mind the turnover because they're going to get their fee every time. But you guys, that's not your perspective, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely not our perspective. Um, We certainly prioritize working on full-time positions. That's what we specialize in. Our, you know, the onboarding of a new employee takes so much time for everybody, for us as an agency, for an employer, for the hiring team and other staff members. It's so much time and effort. And we want to be really mindful of that. And for the candidate, right, to get up to speed, understand a new home, get to know other staff members and really, you know, be at their best in their role. And so to do that over and over again, just feels upsetting for everybody. So, you know, I think our clients, 
when they're hiring for a full-time position, they'd love to have their candidates there for two, three, four, five, ten plus years if it's possible. Um, and that's certainly our goal as well. So again, it's why we have a really thorough process up front um, before we put a candidate in for a role is because we really do want to make sure that both um, see this as a long-term match. Mm -hmm. And you guys are even incentivized to do that because then it helps your relationship with the client and helps your reputation as an agency, right? Yes, absolutely. And I can't tell you how many repeat clients we have, right? That um, we've placed somebody in a, let's say, an estate manager role. And then a year later, the estate manager reaches out to us with more hiring needs. And it um, to see it come full circle uh, really feels so good. And yes, I mean, building those, those relationships and partnerships with both clients and candidates, it feels really good. Thank you to Jenny Vaughn for joining us today. If you want to check out the panel conversation about hybrid roles from the Estate Management Conference, the recording is available to Estate Management Network Pro members at estatenetwork.org. If you enjoyed our conversation and want to hear more from experts in the private service industry, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Tell us about your favorite episodes and let us know what you want to learn next. To connect with other estate managers on a regular basis, join the conversation in the EaseMakers community. The EaseMakers podcast and the EaseMakers community are presented by Nines, the first dynamic household management platform built for discerning households and the private service professionals who support them. Visit NinesLiving.com to see how Nines can help you bring your house manual to life so you can live with ease. I'm Mohamed Elzamoy. And I'm Kristen Twyford. And we'll see you next time on the EaseMakers Podcast.